Welcome to Sonic's Flight, the podcast devoted to all things Sonics. Sonic's Flight is a monthly podcast discussing current events, news, and topics of interest to the Sonics community. We aim to entertain and educate builders and pilots of Sonics aircraft designs, inspiring them to complete and operate their aircraft safely and efficiently. So day two of Oshkosh 2019 is finished. And I'll tell you, I've had a great couple of days, but I am getting tired. These have been long days. There is a ton of stuff to see and lots of people to talk to. So on Monday, opening day, we had a very busy day running around, seeing everything, watching the air show. And then um, the air show was done. We decided just to keep it simple, not try to go anywhere for dinner, and just head on over to SOS Brothers for dinner and drinks. Now, we've talked about SOS Brothers in the past. It's a great location. It's right close to the campground. You can walk to it from the from Camp Sonics. And uh, it's it's real just friendly and come in and they have a full bar so you can get uh, a beer or another drink of your choice. They have a fire pit. You can sit around and just hang out and socialize. Great barbecue food. The half chicken and the pulled pork and the ribeye sandwiches are always excellent. They've got roast corn. So for about 15 bucks, you can get a drink and dinner and uh, have a great place with live music to hang out. They also have some interesting late-night activities. And Gary Motley found himself the unwitting participant, probably due to a little bit of peer pressure. Not going to confirm that, but I'm just saying it's, it's, it's possible. And we'll let you hear about that. But he went up and did the Bikini Bartender Beer Bong Challenge. So, well done, Gary. He, uh, he made Camp Sonics proud. On Tuesday, we were right back at it again, early start, and went over. And first thing we did was conducted our Sonics Flight Q&A. This was at noon on Tuesday over at the Homebuilt Headquarters hangar. And there's a lot of background noise, so you have to forgive the the um the the tri-motor noise in the background and people talking in the vicinity but i put in a few minutes of that just to kind of give a little bit of the flavor of the sonics flight q a that was good i think it was well received good chance to just uh, meet everyone and for them to meet us and see what we look like in person so we'll probably do that again in future oshkosh years and then we had a whole bunch of product interviews so john was out getting them i was out in the big hangar talking to different people so we teed up several product interviews of things that we saw that uh, might be good candidates to add to your shopping list. Lastly, Tuesday night, we wrapped up with dinner over at Chester V's. Chester V's is one of John Monette's and, and Sonic's family crew. It's one of his favorite haunts. It's just right close to the Sonic's factory and has just a great view of the approach end of runway 0927. So when they're recovering warbirds, they're typically landing them on 2-7. And so they come in literally right over the top of Chester V's at maybe 100 feet in, and uh, coming in right on final. So it's a beautiful spot to watch B-25s and warbirds. And, and then after the show ends, you can watch the remainder of the mass or the remainder of the GA traffic arrivals that are usually coming back to the show. So great location. And uh, we just uh, I put in a, a couple of minutes of some of the conversation that we had at Chester V's. So the point I want to make is that you go to Oshkosh and there's lots to see. If you're looking for products, there's a lot of options. You get a chance to handle things physically before you commit to buying them. You talk to people, you talk to sales reps, and you get the straight scoop. That's a great thing to do when you're out shopping for those toys and accessories. You get to meet other builders and you get to have those 
really excellent one-on-one conversations with them. And that is gold. When you want to get opinions on a, this product versus that product or how did you do this task in your project, and you can incorporate those tips and lessons learned from builders, those are great things that you can do in addition to just sitting around and watching the excellent world-class air show. And then after the fun is all done during the day, it's uh, a, a great time to just relax at a local venue, whether that's a local restaurant or going back to the campsite or hanging out at SOS Brothers. But it's another chance for some fellowship and just to hang out with really friends that you'll make in the Sonics community. And so I invite everybody, put that on your list. Come to Camp Sonics. Drive over to meet us up for SOS Brothers. Go to Chester V's. Go to the Sonics Barbecue on Wednesday. All those things really enhance the experience. So hopefully... This podcast, combination of Monday and Tuesday's events, will give you a feel of of some of those other things. Thanks and hope you enjoy. And I'm going to play the clips pretty much just one right after the other. Hi, this is Gary Motley here with uh, Jeff Schultz. We're doing a little podcast here at AirVenture Oddkosh. 2019. We just attended kind of an on-site, semi-official Sonics uh, Foundation meeting, and we're talking about the transition here. Uh, Mr. Robbie Culver is with us. He's going to be stepping down, and we're going to do a transition to Mr. Jason Flint. So, Robbie, why don't you just kind of tell us a little bit about the foundation, what your experiences was, and, and then we'll talk about transferring the mantle over to Jason. Awesome. Thanks, Gary. So this is a train. What a beautiful noise to have. This Ford is a tri-motor. Ford Trimotor. And another one's taxiing by. This is a bit of a transition year for the foundation. Uh, it's our sixth year, and we need some new blood, and some people are kind of shuffling around. So uh, I've stepped away as a director, and we needed uh, a couple replacements. So right now we have... Uh, somebody that's interested in stepping up as president, that's Jason Flint. Thank you, Jason. And what we're doing is instead of having an official member meeting this year, we just kind of had a discussion about where we want to go, what we want to do with the foundation. And we're going to communicate to the members online about how we're going to do our official election and kind of how we're going to recharge and restart things for the foundation so we remain viable. Uh, There's nothing legally wrong with the foundation. We haven't uh, disappeared. We're not dead. We still have a bank account and we still have resources and energy. So it's just a matter of refocusing and kind of figuring out where we want to go from here so we keep our seat at the table. So that's where we're at. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. Um, So for people that are recipients of things the foundation has worked on, whether that's files that are on the website, whether that's the discussion forums that are indirectly connected with the foundation. Uh, again, not not a an element of the foundation, but certainly have been influenced by the foundation. And then some of the initiatives that we've been trying to, to work on, like the transition training and some of the other safety-related stuff. This is a good reason why we all have to step up and be willing to put time and energy in and share our experiences. And that's what it's really all about, sharing experiences. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to Jason Flint. And I asked him a question, which he laughed hideously at me. And I said, Jason, why do you want to get involved? You know, what do you hope to accomplish by getting into this? So, Jason, tell us about it. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, it's still a really good question. You know, I I, I go to the forums all the time. And, and you know, uh, every time there's a new newsletter that comes out, I'm always checking it out. You know, I... 
I listen to and I pay attention to the different activities like the, uh, the, the transition training syllabus because as that discussion was happening, I was getting ready to do the first flight in my airplane. You know? And so you're looking for ideas to how to do this. It's, it's kind of a, a, a centralization of the community. I mean, the, 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 the forum does that to a certain extent, but this is to actually make things happen. And like Robbie said, I reached out to him by a message off of the forum I think earlier this week or last week, and just said, so what goes into being president? And he, and he described to me a little bit about it being the Sonics community's chance to have that seat at the table. Uh, uh, and I think that's valuable. Uh, you know, if, if, if anybody's going to be taking a look at experimental aviation and we want to have input, if that's the way to do it, I think it's worthwhile. Uh, you know, I'm just a guy like anybody else. I have a Sonics airplane. I have a life. But uh, I think if everybody chips in just a little bit, uh, you know, that's all it takes to keep something like this going, and that's all it takes to keep a pretty valuable position within the, the world of experimental aviation to be able to do that. So, uh, you know, I'm not expecting to come in and, and do a, a hell of a lot that's really, uh, uh, you know, extensive or over the top. I'm just a guy who will, you know, try to put in the time and, and, and keep the connections that I need to keep to make sure that the foundation can go. And, you know, we'll keep talking to other folks because we do need to bring new people in. This is a community we need to share in it if we're going to support it. So that's what I have to say. Well, excellent. Well, Mr. Robbie Culver, thank you very much for your years of service. I'm sure we're not going to see the last of you. Oh, no, you guys can't get rid of me that easy. Yeah, I know. We, we keep trying to knock people off, but they just keep coming back. They're a tough crowd. And, of course, Jason, thank you for stepping up, taking the reins. And, uh, Mr. Jeff, finish it up. So I have one final thought, and uh, this is just sort of a, a philosophy Um we're all part of a life cycle in aviation. We come in, we, we start off as a, as a brand new newcomer to both flying and experimental aviation and, and just the larger aviation community. And we have mentors. Some of, them, some of them are very formalized mentors, flight instructors, experienced pilots that we hang out with. Others are very casual and informal. We just kind of cross paths with them. But we are all the beneficiaries of other people's experience. And, and that can be in an, a wide variety of ways, EA chapters, the magazine article, newslet, newsletters online. So as we get more mature in our own standing in aviation, we really need to look to the next generation. You know, what are we going to do to help support the next generation of newcomers in? And it seems kind of weird, like, well, I'm not, a, I'm not a flight instructor. I don't, that's not my profession. I'm not, I'm not a teacher by trade. But we all have a responsibility. This is something we want to see continue. We need to step up and we need to share those experiences. And it could be really broad and far-reaching, uh, or it can be very specific. You know, this is how I did this particular thing, and this is how I make aviation work for me. So that's my, my really my summary. My summary encouragement is that we are a community of Sonics builders and pilots, and Together, we need to make sure that we share our experiences and welcome in the next generation that's going to come in. If we do that, we'll keep a, a strong and very vibrant community. If we don't, we'll fragment back into individual little pockets and eventually individual builders that are on their own for everything. And we can't afford that to happen. So, Robbie, thanks for everything you've done. Jason, thanks for everything that you're willing to do and Get that you will do. Get out there fly, people. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, and we will see you on the flight line. And at the party. All right, see you guys.
about five, six seconds. Yeah? There's no I don't know. I'm left pretty impressed. Pile, Jerry. you got to do it again. <laughs> A for effort. All right, so um, we're sitting at SOS Brothers. We've had some drinks. We've had some food. And uh, Gary just uh, bellied up to the bar and put our money where his mouth is <laughs> and did the, uh, the Bikini Bartender Beer Bong Challenge. Uh, Gary, uh, describe what you went through in this harrowing ordeal. It's all just a blur. All I can remember... Well, I can't, remember, I can't even say that. Anyway, what, what can I say in this Relaxation part? techniques. Yes. What would I say? I would say I appreciate my good buddies for sponsoring my... Uh, my bad habits. <laughs> so if anybody hasn't been to SOS Brothers, this is uh, definitely one of the highlights. I think we find ourselves here uh, probably more than once every year. And um, and it's not just for the ambience. You know, we got some pretty decent food too. But it's mostly for the ambience, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, this is John Gillis with Sonic's Light Podcast, and I'm here with uh, Jeff Lormar from Kroger Sunshades. And those of us who've been flying our Sonics, especially in our sunny conditions, know that that Kroger Sunshade is the uh, best sunshade out there for our Sonics. Um, he makes them for all kinds of models of, uh, of aviation. And uh, here's Jeff. Tell us a little bit about your product, what you do, how you came up with the idea. Okay, well, unfortunately, I can't claim to be the inventor of it, but uh, my partner invented it about 20 years ago, so we've been making them and selling them for about 20 years. I got involved about six or seven years ago, and uh, the inventor got old. He's 95 now, and so he let me have the company. So basically, uh, what we do is we have a, a center channel extruded, for the sunshade and then we mount ribs that slide on the center channel and the ribs carry a light plasticized fabric that essentially shuts out the sun. Uh, we've done some demos here at Oshkosh before with thermometers in the shade and in the sun and, and we see a different a temperature difference of up to 30 or 40 degrees under, uh, under the shade. In the sunshine, uh, if you're under a, a piece of glass, which, you know, a Sonics with the can canopy closed, that's what it is, uh, can get up to 130, 40, even 150 degrees in there. Uh, and if you have a sunshade in there, then it's going to be way less than that. You could still get over 100 degrees, but the shade obviously just makes a huge difference. Uh, we sell the Sonic Special. The Sonic Special is... Uh, one of our RV shades that we extend an additional five inches. So it's 30 inches wide by 30 inches long. It attaches with double stick tape to the canopy so there are no holes to drill. Uh, and then the shade slides forward and backwards with uh, simply loosening a thumb screw in front. So if you want shade, you slide it forward and you have shade. When you come into the pattern, you want better visibility or if you're gonna do some aerobatics, uh, you want the visibility, you loosen the thumb screw and slide it back in a matter of one or two seconds, and then you've got full visibility just as if the shade weren't there. So they, show, they uh, sell the Sonic Spatial Sunshade, 30 by 30 inches, sells for normally $195 and then $12 shipping in the U.S., so 
comes out to 207 is the number I see off the website all the time. Uh, here at Oshkosh, uh, we dropped the price $10 and, and removed the shipping so you can save 22 bucks and buy the shade for 185 Yeah, Can someone who's not here at Oshkosh this week order from you online and get the same deal? They can. If they just met, when they order it, if they mention uh, that they'd like the Oshkosh price, then we'll extend that to folks through, uh, certainly through the end of, of July and even a little bit on into August. So they can take advantage of that. And this is something you can retrofit to your Sonics. You don't have to have it built in while you're building it. It's just exactly. Just you, stick it on when you when you get one. Yeah, whenever you get it, it's easy to mount. Uh, most guys will mount them in less than an hour. Here comes two of them <laughs> with my wife. Uh, so yeah, it's easy mounting, uh, easy use, and very effective. We just get wonderful feedback here at the show. Well, I know I've, I've had one for several years. It's wonderful. And uh, I think I've probably sold a lot for you, too, because well, people like so, them, yeah. look at them, and they go, where do I get this? Yep, yep. We sell enough Sonics that we've made it one of our standards. So it started out as a custom shade. And, uh, and like, like say, it's one of our standards. It's on our website as the Sonic Special. All right. Well, thank you. you and uh, have a good show. All right. So I'm here in the big hangar, Hangar C, with Eric from Mountain High Oxygen Systems, and we're looking at portable oxygen systems that you could use on a cross-country or take it with you on another airplane. So Eric, can you tell us what would Mountain High be able to provide to a Sonics pilot who, again, is not using it very often, but wants something that they can grab with them and take with them on that occasional trip or, or going with the front? Yeah, and, and it's important to also, to, you know, as long as, even if you're not going very high, the oxygen is very helpful just for... Uh, comfort and fatigue and night vision and any other uh, just uses beyond just actually flying at higher altitudes. So a single place constant flow system on a, a very small cylinder can run roughly uh, 4.95 retail and our show special 10% off is 445. Now that's a complete system or that's, that's the cylinder. That's, that's the complete system. So okay. you get the cylinder, the valve, the regulator, the bag that uh, holds the cylinder and straps to your seat, and then the uh, flow meter, an oximizer, conserving cannula, and mask, and tote bags. Okay. And if you wanted something that would supply both a pilot and a passenger, what would you step up to? So you could step up to, and this is with a, uh, both of these are a 113 liter cylinder. Your second step up, and those are only available in one place. Uh, the next size cylinder is 180 liters. And the one place for that is retail of $549, take 10% off of the show for $494. And a two-place system for the 180 liter is $725 uh, retail, 10% off at $652. Okay, so put it in perspective that we can like get our heads wrapped around. What, what does a 113 liter translate into in usage for a 180 liter? So for if you're flying at 10,000 feet, Using the standard MH3 flow meter, which is for use under 18,000 feet, is you get 4.7 man hours, so a single hour. So if you're using that for two places, uh, you're going to cut that in half. And the 180 duration time for 10,000 feet using constant flow MH3 flow meter is roughly seven hours. Okay, so on the, on the small single place or the next size up, you're still going to get plenty for a typical cross-country flight. Yes. And... Because and if you're, you're not, you're, yeah, you're not using it all the time, so you got three and a half hours for two passengers or two occupants. And, okay. Yeah. And um, how do you get these serviced and recharged? 
you can service them at uh, any FBO. You can rent a cylinder in your own hangar and fill them as you need for when you start. Uh, but most FBOs will be able to handle uh, uh, the, the charging of the cylinder. The, the regulators themselves, once the system is depressurized, unscrew by hand. Uh, you don't need any special tools, and then it hooks right to that cylinder. Okay. The so full pack itself, the, the bag that holds the cylinder to the chair, buckles to the chair very rigidly with about eight-point straps, but then the bag itself pops off with two buckles. Okay. So if you have uh, full detachability to take that into the facility to have it uh, charged. So it sounds like it's really as simple as grab your, your whole system in the carry bag, run over to your local FBO before you leave on your trip, have them top it off, and, and then fill it up when you're done. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then on, on uh, when you're fueling up, most FBOs will have the, the capabilities of handling any filling it should you need it. Okay. And then um, are, are there any other periodic maintenance or inspection that you have to do? Do you have to replace masks periodically or retest uh, cylinders or anything? Uh, the cylinders, the aluminum ones, these particular ones that I quoted, the 118 or the 180 and the 113, they're aluminum cylinders, so they have every five years they need to be hydrostatically tested, and as long as they pass that hydrostatic test, the service life is unlimited. Okay. So you've got uh, a, a, a pretty much a lifetime cylinder as long as it is not damaged during use. The equipment itself, you can pretty much decide uh, when you want to replace the masks and cannulas, determining on their soilage, but you can generally clean it with an alcohol wipe and it's totally sanitary. The regulator uh, is a very robust regulator. Uh, normally with some of our EDS systems, we would uh, recommend a two-year service. The regulator itself will last probably six to eight years without service. With, uh, but you have the option of having any, you know, if you're having problems, we can service it for you very quickly. That sounds like a pretty simple, um, relatively low uh, hassle factor system. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. You bet. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Thanks. So Oshkosh 2019, I'm here in Exhibit Hall C with TJ from Seattle Avionics, and we're looking at all the different things that Seattle Avionics can offer Sonics pilots. Now, TJ, Sonics pilots typically are flying low-cost EFIS, something like an MGL or a Dynon Skyview or a G3X, a GRT, and we love those. They, they work great in our airplanes, and, and um, we really like the capability built into them. But they don't have everything that one might want, when, especially when you're talking about navigation. What can Seattle Avionics bring to these existing EFISs that makes our life better? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, first and foremost, Seattle Avionics is a chart data company, and so we make a lot of our own chart data, um, and we provide that chart data to these MFDs and these EFISs like the Dynon Skyview and, um, you know, so on and so forth. Um, our application for the iPad, FlyQ, uh, is, really, is really hot right now. Right now and offers a lot of um, alternatives to navigation and uh, pieces of information that you use while flying. Um, I'd highly recommend it again for the iPad and for uh, iPhones as well. Um, you have airport info, weather, um, you have uh, plates and uh, procedures. Um, synthetic vision even you know some features and capabilities that up to this point you know you can only get on a on a very high-end mfd or ephus like a garmin you can now have on your ipad mm -hmm. yeah. 
Yeah. So you also mentioned chart data. So can you explain what is chart data and, and how would you use it in something like a Skyview? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So um, chart data goes from, you know, your basic sectional charts and your IFR, low and high in route charts, all the way to, um, you know, um, terrain data and uh, airport info. I mean, even down to the fuel prices, we do our own fuel prices. We're calling FBOs and updating those on a regular basis so that everything is current. Um, and so we, we really pride ourselves in that. You know, we're the second largest chart data company behind Jeppesen. A lot of people know the name Jeppesen, but no one knows the name Seattle Avionics, right? And so, um, no, but we really pride ourselves on high quality, consistent and current chart data. Um, and they can really bring these uh, these EFASs and these MFDs to life. Yeah, and for people that are not really familiar with the um, you know the built-in data on a typical EFAS, can you explain the difference between what Dynon or or Garmin on their G3X? What do you get stock, and what else do you get above and beyond when you go with a chart data subscription? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, that's that's less my realm. Um, I know our software um, yeah. first and foremost, but. You know, um, yeah, well, you they, don't get sectional, and you don't get maybe you get some obstacle data. Right. You get airport locations, but you don't get any details about the airport. Absolutely, absolutely. So it, with our chart data, you get full airport services, full FBO information. If you need to take a taxi, that's something that you can you know figure out with our chart data. So we get very detailed, very specific. Um, on top of that, um, we got. Um, oh man. I have, yeah, I have it on my Skyview, and um, I like being able to, at a moment's notice, pull up an airport and just see some of those details, you know, right. what what hotels are in the area, what what's the deal with the fuel pumps, you know, the stuff you would go on Skyvector and, and do research ahead of time, but when you're in the airplane, you don't have that ability. With the chart data, it's all right at your fingertips, and you never have to worry about it. It's just there. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's what we really want to do, you know, make it easy for customers, make the information very fast and easy to access, and ultimately, safety is the first priority and if we can you know make information easy to access I think we're you know being safer as we fly so yeah okay so maybe just uh, conclude with how do you like physically how do you add chart data to your existing EFIS and then what does the pricing structure look like totally totally well it, the pricing structure to start um, depends on the unit that you have we have a we have a num numerous amounts of show specials here on on the different MFDs and chart data subscriptions um, and uh, to, to download that chart data, what you do is get an SD card or, um, you know, a USB drive, something of the sort. De really, again, depends on your EFIS. Um, and you just go online to our website, seattleavionics.com, download the chart data manager. And then once you have that downloaded, which is a computer program, you just plug in your SD card or your USB, download the chart data, plug it into your EFIS and download the chart data on there. So pretty okay. easy to do. Yeah, so you load the chart data on your USB stick or whatever, or your SD card, mm -hmm. then you physically plug it into your EFIS wherever the EFIS is designed to have something plugged in, and, and that's it, you're done. Correct, correct. However, one thing that's exciting and in the news for us is that we're working on a, um, a, a technology that allows you to wirelessly download chart data. We're going to be implementing this on a couple of our EFISs, which is really exciting. Um, so whenever you're in the plane with your iPad or your iPhone, it'll automatically download that chart data for you so you stay current without even thinking about it. Yeah. Well, that's good. And I can attest to you, I have a giant on Skyview. I have a lifetime chart data subscription, and I love it. I would, I would do it every year even if you didn't offer lifetime subscriptions. So 
And um, I just keep two little USB drives, and one is in the unit, and one is back in my computer downloading the latest chart data. And when I see the notification pop up, I've already got it on the second one, and I just swap them. Right. And it's that easy. Super easy, super easy. Thanks, man. Yeah, I okay, TJ, it. thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, dude. All right, have a good show. Absolutely, you too. Oshkosh 2019, I'm here in the big exhibit hall. I'm here with John from McFarland Aviation Products. And of all the products that you guys sell, the one that is of most interest to me personally as a Sonics owner is your micro vernier mixture cable. And this thing is super cool. And John, I'd like you just to tell us a little bit about like what is it, how is it different than a standard button lock or its traditional vernier, and why does it work really, really well in a Sonics? Well, this is what we call our vernier assist, and we do it in both a throttle and a mixture. Uh, it is a design that we came up with solely on our own. Uh, we uh, actually developed it for the experimental market for multiple reasons. Uh, one is the, the driving mechanism of the vernier action. We were able to move in front of the panel because in most experimental aircraft, there is not much room between the instrument panel and the firewall. Especially we, in a Sonics. Especially in a Sonics. And when you have that mechanism behind the, behind the instrument panel, it creates a long, rigid tube and you're not necessarily able to line up with the holes you want to go through the firewall. So what we've done is we've moved that mechanism in front of the instrument panel, which allows more flexibility between the instrument panel and the firewall. Now, what is very unique about the Vernier Assist by McFarland Aviation is there are absolutely no threads. There are no threads. There are no release buttons. There is nothing that is going to jam. It's impossible. Um, what we have is a series of races, roller bearings, and springs. And on the mixture, we have compressed those to a set resistance. And when we compress them, the roller bearings come in contact with the shaft of that control. And that is what allows that fine adjustment of vernier, yet you still have the coarse adjustment of a full push-pull control. Um, and there's enough resistance in there to hold it in place through the vibration of the engine and the vibration of the airframe. Uh, and this is patented and absolutely unique to McFarland Aviation. Yeah, John, I've been flying mine for a year now, and I absolutely love it because it's so simple. One, like you mentioned, in absolute terms, instead of a 10 or 12-inch rigid portion that goes behind your panel and bumps into the fuel tank or your radio tray or something else that's mounted in the panel, you only have maybe 6 inches of rigid area right. that's behind it. So it fits in there perfectly. And then when you want to make gross adjustments, and on a Sonics, we tend to lean aggressively on the ground for, for ground operations. So you just want to be able to pull that thing out to an inch or so leaned, and you want to be able to do it every time real easily. You don't want to be twisting and twisting and twisting all day or using a, a thumb button or something like that. So you grab the knob, you pull it out, you push it in, you get your gross adjustment, and in cruise, when you want to make a fine adjustment to lean out for a cruise, you have that precision of the twist action. And you're right, it never creeps. It never doesn't do anything. It stays exactly where you put it. Yep. So, and we've we've incorporated this uh, for many experimental aircraft. We also do it in a throttle because we have a lot of customers that want a vernier throttle, and a true vernier throttle to us is is fairly dangerous. There's threads, there's release buttons, in an emergency, there's potential failures, and that's why we've we've gone with this vernier assist. Okay. So ordering them up, uh, you just specify the unit and the length that you want. And the length, because these are trimmed to fit. Uh, so we can actually make these in any length that you want. I think standard we've got them in a 6-foot length and a 12-foot length, and they're very easy to cut down. Once you 
once you run it through the aircraft and get it to where you want, uh, you just pull the inner wire out and cut it down, cut the conduit down to length, feed it back in, attach it, and cut off the excess inner wire, and it's very quick and simple. Okay, and um, what's your show special going on right here at Oshkosh? Show specials right now are any orders, and you will get a free McFarland t-shirt or hat. All right, great. Thanks, John. I appreciate that. And for anybody that is not sure, I will put a picture of the unit in the show notes. You can go to the McFarland Aviation website, and um, other dealers sell them, uh, I believe, by Aircraft Spruce. Aircraft well. Spruce. We've got a whole distribution network set up. Yes. Yeah. So you can see what they look like and um, take a look at the photos there. Thanks, John. Have a great show. Thank you very much, Jeff. Oshkosh 2019. I'm here in the big hall. And I'm here with Oregon Arrow talking about seat cushions. So I didn't realize that Oregon Arrow did Sonic-specific seat cushions. Now, you guys have been doing seat cushions for everything else, I guess including a Sonics. But for those of us like me that didn't know Sonics, you had a Sonic-specific package, what all does that entail? What it, what it is, basically, is just at, at this particular time, what we have is we have the cushion system made with conformial foam, memory foam. And then we can wrap it in either cloth, vinyl, synthetic leather, or leather. Those are your options as far as covering those. Oh, and sheepskin also. Um, but as far as the side panels, we don't have we don't have like a complete interior package. But if someone wanted to work with us and give us some paper templates, then we could make side panels. Uh, one of the aircraft that we're really we the uh, what is it uh, the jet? What do they call it? The subsonics jet. Subsonic, that's it. Yeah. I'm sorry, my mind's more than us. Yeah, we've done three of those so far now. Okay. And they're beautiful seats. They're really, really looking good. Um, customers are very, very happy. Yeah. So how do you how do you build the seat when it, the son the Sonics is just a bench seat? Two people sit side by side on a bench. How do you guys build it so that it supports each person? Well, actually, for us, if somebody builds a flat bench seat with about 100 degree opening, 90 is too straight up, 110 is too back, about 103 degrees, that's perfect for us. Because now all we have to do, what's really hard is when you have like an RV8C and it goes down and yeah. behind the spar and back up. Those are really hard to, to make work. The Sonics is actually one of the simpler ones. And okay. it's, it's just come from years and years and years. A lot of people say, oh yeah, well you use that uh, NASA foam, memory foam, whatever. It's conformial foam, it's a type of memory foam, but what makes our cushions so comfortable is the way that they're shaped. Okay, as you notice, we don't make a flat cushion. It's got some kind of shape to it. When you sit back in our seat, push yourself all the way back up against the lumbar, you sit up straight, because that rear ramp rolls your hips belt. So people talk about lumbar, and that's another thing that we always put in the seat. But if you're not sitting up straight, lumbar support, it's hard to achieve. You know, you got to sit up that puts that curve, like when you're standing up. If you're hunched over, people go, well, I'll just get an air bladder. You're not going to put a curve in your spine. You're not going to put a curve in your spine by blowing up a balloon and pushing on it. You know what yeah. I mean? You are, but it's going to hurt. Yeah. So when you do this, then the natural lumbar curve comes back in. Yeah. And uh, just looking at the seat cushion there, um, it is not just a slab of foam, you know, in three different layers. It, it, it is well-shaped and yes. it looks like what you'd see in, a, in a, an automotive seat. Exactly. We do yeah. what they call the side bolster. 
gives you some, you know, you feel like you're sitting down in the seat instead of on top of the seat. Okay. Old aircraft seat designs where they were all convex, right? Yeah. And you just kind of fell down in that little crevice there. So. Yeah. Now, the other thing, the, the Sonics doesn't have a, a tremendous amount of headroom, so keeping the seat cushions relatively thin is important. You know, a couple yes. of inches is fine, maybe up to four inches or so. Is your is your design, how thick is it? Is somebody going to have a problem with headroom? Well, what we do is we build it for the pilot or the builder, okay? We have them sit in the aircraft with no cushions and sit on a phone book or a bunch of plywood. They say, huh, oh, three inches, oh, this is about where I need to be. Okay. So then we make the cushion a little bit thicker. You come back down. Then we send it out to you the first time unupholstered. That way, if we have to modify it, we don't have to tear the upholstery. Okay. We can make a safe cushion with about like a like an inch after compression. Okay. You know what I mean? So we don't need four inches. Yeah, so that, that, that'll that fit in anybody's Sonics. Yeah. That's yeah. thin enough. Yeah. Okay. And then what kind of lead time uh, would a customer expect from the time they call you to the time they get them delivered? I would say with upholstery, we're looking at probably 90 to 120 days right now. Okay. Very, very busy. Okay. And I was looking just a minute ago at your price list. Prices run from about 800 or so for an unupholstered seat up to about 1200 for some of the higher end leathers and things like that okay okay well that's great uh thanks for the rundown i appreciate that and i'm a big fan of oregon aero seats i've sat in them in other airplanes for years and i love them and uh when it's time to reupholster i'm going to give you guys a call thanks okay thanks for your support too. thank you appreciate it all right all right good morning everybody if you're here for the sonics flight q a you're in the right spot if you're not here for Sonic Flight Q&A, uh, you're welcome to stay. So, this is something new that we've done, first time, and uh, the idea behind this was we um, we get regular questions that come in. People want to they want to know a little more about a topic, or they had a question about a, a podcast we did, or they just want to see you know who the three of us are because they only ever hear us on the podcast. So John had the idea to do a q and A Q&A session, uh, a meet the cast in person, and uh, and I immediately thought this was a great chance to uh, you know throw random and weird questions at John and stump him. So I invite that you know. But to to start it off, I thought we would just do um, quick introductions, and uh, and we'll go from there. So John, you're up. Well, I'm John Gillis. I've been on almost every podcast. I probably have missed the most, though, because uh, Mike and uh, uh, Mike fills in for me when I can't do it. Uh, Gary's always available because that's the way Gary is, and uh, Jeff is incessant on having uh, weekly podcasts. It seems like. Yeah. So talk as loud as you can. It's... All right. Um, anyway, I'm John Gillis, and uh, that's the story I'm sticking with. <laughs> Oh, Gary, Mad Dog, Hound Dog, Motley, whoever you want to call me. Beer Guzzler, now of fame, now that I have posts on YouTube. I'm always just Jeff's backup guy, you know. I just try to ask enough questions to keep him going. Try to offer some counterpoints and opinions to John and Jeff. But other than that, just to hang out and have a good time with you guys, nothing, nothing special. Gary, why don't you move over here so that way we're all talking back towards the crowd. Why don't you move right over here? And, uh, and last but not least, our pinch hitter. Oh. Hi, this is Mike Niedenthal. Uh, 
did a couple of podcasts uh, with Mike Singleton, and also I'm a filler for Mr. John over here, and I do my best. That's all I could do. So that's the normal crowd, and um, has, has anybody not met all of us in person before? I have. Okay. Well, if, if you haven't met us, then that means we probably haven't met you either. So... Anyway, if you have questions, um, now is your chance. So I will open it up. Yep. Give us some feedback on the podcast. Throw a question up. Stump Jeff. He's a good engineer, but he's not great. That's the that's the highest praise. He's a good engineer, but he's not great. Yeah. All right. I have a question for the crowd, perhaps. Then, and I had this brought up to me even yesterday by somebody that I met too that said he was starting to listen to the podcasts. And this is some. This comment is something that Jeff and I and John and I have discussed many times. Is our podcasts tend to run a little long? Is that the general consensus? Our podcasts tend to generally run a little long. Not to do it all in one sitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, what do you think? Do you think that our current length of an hour to maybe an hour and a half is about right? Knowing that we're occasionally going to go hour forty minutes and maybe even a little longer, or do we really need to try to control it to like less than an hour? Great cross country. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, well, I need to break it out into like part A, part B, or anything like that. Yeah, that's all I've got to do. Okay. Six. Sixty episodes. What? I know. We need. We should have a prize for that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can we can look at maybe doing a uh, an archive that you can easily download. Yeah. How about the topic of the swing? Yeah, you got a topic of the swing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. How about the topic of the swing? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Are we missing something? Is there is there a major area that we need to move into that we have not really covered? Yeah, I, I would like to see more on on specific uh, flying events that Sonex people go to. You know, just like we did the Reclaw podcast, but any others. You know, I mean, obviously you can't go to all of them, but uh, if we had something like that, or somebody goes to a lot of different types of clients, you know, they can we can talk to them about that. Okay. So if anybody wants to be a roving uh, reporter at large and record a segment at a local fly-in, we can definitely pull that into um, a podcast. So just let me know if you're interested in doing that. Some of the ones that are in on the Northeast, we're not going to get to. It's just too far for any of us. But if we have a local rep, we can definitely get a clip and, and roll it into the next podcast. Okay, what other topics should we be covering but have not? like to hear our opinions on other uh, 
designs, like RVs or <laughs> Zenith. Zenith. Or, yeah. Yeah. Well, I bought the kit. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> 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 I'd like to hear more arguing and banter between uh, each other. Jeff cuts all that stuff out. Yeah, but you recorded it all. Outtakes! 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 Yeah, okay. Well, okay, so so the, uh, the banner is something that um, I try to leave in as much as possible. But sometimes it gets a little bit off track, and we have to clip some of that out. Some of it makes it back into the outtakes, and others are in the vault of lost clips, never to see the light of day for its uh, statute of limitations reasons. Yeah, and or blackmail, probably. <laughs> so we're on the deck at Chester V's, and we're watching arrivals come in after the air show. Uh, Bob got some good video of B-25s returning to base right over the top, and Chester V's is perfectly situated to catch arrivals coming into the Warbird recovery runway. And as part of the highlights we've been talking about, Mike Smith uh, checked off one of those Air Venture bucket list items to go on a tri-motor ride. So, he, so Mike, tell us about the tri-motor. Uh, what a great airplane. Uh, if you get there early, if you get there before 8.30, you get $10 off. So I got there nice and early at 8 o'clock, and I only had to wait 10 minutes to get on. Uh, and while I was sitting there stuffing a breakfast sandwich in my face before the ride, a guy and his son sat next to me, and so, what do you do at AirVenture? You just talk to people. So I said, hey, how you doing? Where are you from? Oh, I'm from so-and-so here, local, and and how about you? And I said, well, I'm from Boston. I flew my Sonics here. He goes, oh, I have a Sonics. Everybody at my airport has a Sonics. <laughs> So we started talking about that, and then we went and took the flight, and uh, and then afterward we went and looked at my airplane and chatted for a while. But I don't know who was sitting in the right seat of the, the tri-motor, but it was a, a young lady maybe in her early 20s, and I don't know whether she was just another passenger and she just got to sit in the right seat, but she after he took off and climbed out the pilot, then he turned it over to her, and she was doing most of the flying. He was just telling her where to go, and then she got lined up on the runway, and then he took over and did the landing. So I was like, wow, oh, how do I get that? So I asked her what it was like. She said, well, it's like flying a big truck. She says, really smooth, but it, you you know, you know, give it an input, and then you have to wait for it. And then you give it another input, and you have to wait for it. But So I was jealous, but it was my, a lot of fun. Definitely worth the, uh, the money. My dad did that in 1978. Uh, because at that time, and I don't know if it's the same now, but you could buy a right seat ticket. They didn't and so I, I bought a right seat ticket in 76, and then my dad, who always wanted to f ride in a Ford Trimotor in the 30s, my, my grandparents would take him down to, to uh, Fairfax Airport where they would give $5 rides, and they would let him watch, but they would never let him fly in one. So when we flew up here in 78, he got to fly right seat, and he asked the pilot, can I fly? And he says, sure, go ahead. And so Dad flew the airplane like that, and he said it was real heavy, you know. But that's uh, that's a lot of fun. Mike, what did you think of the, uh, like the rumble and just the racket in the cockpit? Well, if you're an airplane enthusiast, it's awesome. <laughs> I was I was in the front seat, so I was right next to the prop. So if the prop if it threw a, plop, a prop, I was dead. But it was worth it. 
No, it, you really do feel the rumble, and then you look out the window, and the gauges for the engine are on the, the, the strut, yeah. you know, right above the engine. So, uh, now I did notice that the pilot had gauges up front, too, but in, originally they didn't. They just had them on the outside, and you had to look back out the window to see what the engines were doing. So, that's the now, gremlins that are out on the way. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, when we flew, uh, one of the things that struck me was on landing, they're getting lined up, and they're getting ready for landing, and... And he starts dialing in some trim. And they just dial in, like, all the trim. And then they're coming down. Yeah, they're coming down final. And then about 20 feet, he just hauls back on the yoke and just holds it. And nothing happens. And the plane just settles in just like perfect. But you would not even feel that he had pulled back on the yoke to flare, to flare the airplane. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Anybody else take a ride, a helicopter ride? We took a helicopter ride. We did the bell yesterday. All right. Talk about it, Jamie. Well, the Bell helicopter feels like you're floating in a bubble. There's not much there for safety. It's just one big seat belt, all three of you, and you feel like you're going to fall out of the window. That's basically it. And he won't let you fly it. No. <laughs> I even tried. Yep. Anybody buy anything expensive? I, I bought so. my ADSB. You did? What you Yes, buy? I bought an Echo. $13.99, and they didn't have any, so they're going to ship it to me. Okay, I, I got mine la uh, a year ago, or so seven and a half hours to install it, and it works like a charm. Yeah. Everything, all the weather and traffic pops up yeah. on my screen. and. I still have to buy my uh, iPad mini for it. Yeah, that's okay. It's a small thing. All right, I've got the um, cheesy broccoli and cauliflower steak. Well, that's our food, so I think that wraps up this one, and uh, we'll see you in Oshkosh 2020. The views and opinions expressed on the Sonic Slack podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone, and do not necessarily reflect the views of any individual, company, or organization mentioned on this program. Nothing presented on this podcast should be construed to be the official position or recommendation of anyone not directly associated with Sonic's Flight. Anything that sounds like advice should be carefully considered before being implemented. Remember, you are the pilot in command.